Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to this special five-part podcast series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, which celebrates Affiliated Monitors' 15 years in business as the first entity specializing in independent integrity monitoring. Founded in 2004, Affiliated Monitors provides independent integrity monitoring and ethics and compliance assessments nationally and internationally and across almost all industries. With its knowledge of effective ethics and compliance programs and cultures, Affiliated Monitors is respected for its work as the corporate monitor on matters ranging from multinational corporations to small and mid-sized companies and even individuals. Having served in nearly 750 monitorships, no one has more experience as an independent monitor than the team at Affiliated Monitors. For more information on how an independent monitor can help improve your company's ethics and compliance programs, visit this podcast series sponsor, Affiliated Monitors, at www.affiliatedmonitors.com. In this five-part podcast series, I'm joined by Eric Feldman, Senior Vice President of Affiliated Monitors. We take a deep dive into the Department of Justice Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs, the 2019 guidance, which was released in April of this year. Over the next five podcasts, we will explore the challenges, excuse me, the changes that are in the 2019 guidance from the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Program's 2017 guidance, which was released back in February of 2017, the structure and the emphasis of the 2019 guidance, and what does it mean for the compliance practitioner. We will also take a look at each specific prong. So is the program well designed? Is it being a implemented effectively, and does the compliance program work in practice? In this fifth and concluding episode, Eric and I visit about what the Department of Justice 2019 guidance means for compliance practitioners and how you can use it in conjunction with the Benkowski memo to evaluate your compliance program. This special five-part series is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for our fifth and final episode of the five-part exploration of the 2019 DOJ guidance. I'm joined by Eric Feldman, the Senior Vice President at Affiliated Monitors, the sponsor of this podcast series. Eric, uh, welcome back. Thank you very much, Tom. Eric, in this episode, we're going to try to uh, give some final thoughts, conclusions, see where we may have been and where we may be going. But one of the things that I know has been in the commentariat world has been how to use this document. It's obviously written by prosecutors, by prosecutors at the Department of Justice uh, for their use in evaluating the uh, efficacy of a compliance program that's under investigation or at least is in front of the Department of Justice. Uh, They make that clear uh, by the references to the now called Justice Manual and the U.S. Sentencing Guidelines. But I was wondering from your perspective, uh, as someone who has been a corporate monitor, as someone who has been on the government side of things and now helps companies uh, put together or evaluate, design, create, and implement uh, uh, compliance programs, how would you suggest a compliance practitioner use the 2019 guidance? Well, that's a great question, Tom. And I I think that uh, companies need to look at this as a treasure trove um, of opportunity because it gives detailed insight into how prosecutors are going to be thinking, how they're being directed to think about a company's ethics and compliance obligations. 
and whether they're going to get credit for it at the end of the day. Um, uh, Wei Chen, who drafted the first uh, guidance at DOJ, which is largely incorporated into here in the form of questions, um, and and so all of it is still extremely relevant. Um, she wrote a an article uh, that said, "Don't obsess over updated DOJ compliance guidance," and. She talked about the fact that this is for prosecutors, uh, and so companies ought not obsess over every detail of it because it really is meant for prosecutors uh, rather than guidance met uh, for best practices for companies. And I have to tend to disagree because I really do think that anything that is used by the prosecutors to determine how they're going to charge at the end of the day, is going to be valuable, um, invaluable, in fact, insight into how companies should be structuring their programs. Now, Wei points out that it really is the lowest common denominator. The minimal standards are laid out here um, and not best practices. And I'm not quite sure about that, because if you look at all of the questions that are in the new guidance, there are some pretty insightful uh, emphases in there. Things like culture um, are, for the first time, cited throughout the entire document in every aspect of the compliance program and making it effective. It's about changing the culture. So I think it is valuable. Um, interestingly, right up front in the guidance, it talks about um, at the time of the offense and at the time of a charging decision, um, there is a window between those two times for remediation. And that's for the first time, I think, DOJ is specifically laying out for the company that when an offense occurs, and it is always going to occur at some level, from there to the time of the uh, decision by the prosecutors to charge, the companies have a lot more power than they may have originally thought. The company is not powerless at that point. Uh, the company can take lemon and turn it into lemonade. Uh, and the way to do that is through the remediation of the compliance program and the response to the wrongdoing. Uh, I think it's laid out beautifully in here. Eric, one of the things that struck me about the 2019 guidance was the use of the word culture. And a, from policies and procedures to help ensure culture, from conduct and tone from the very top, starting with the board of directors to senior management through down to middle management around culture, uh, training, uh, not just on culture, but actually assessing the culture of an organization. One of the key themes I've heard from you over the series of uh, podcasts we've done together now for 18 months has been culture. I wondered if you could give us some of your thoughts around not simply the importance of culture, but how the Department of Justice seems to have embraced culture as a key component of 
not only a compliance program, but also of uh, a company's entire values going forward? Sure. Well, you know, I've always thought that the um, U.S. sentencing guidelines, uh, because it does say uh, that companies need to establish a strong culture, and that was one of the objectives of the guidelines, to establish a strong ethical culture, uh, this new guidance does tell companies how to do that and in what areas culture needs to be a consideration. And as I've always said, and I sound like a broken record at times, I view culture as more than just some squishy social science concept. It is a foundational internal control that guides the behavior of employees. And without that control, all the other rules, regulations, and policies, and controls you have in place aren't going to be effective if people don't want to comply, if the culture doesn't support them complying. And this guidance, and in combination with the Benskowski memo, talking about whether or not a monitor should be uh, appointed or forced on a particular company, um, it points to the fact that the company really can drive its own destiny here. And that has to do with paying attention to the culture and remediating issues after they occur. Uh, it really is pretty striking that it does give that power back to the company and insight back to the company. Eric, uh, one of the things you raised in our prior podcast was how this guidance, the 2019 guidance, ties to the Benchkowski memo, which was released in October of 2018. And you talked about it in the context of uh, the Benchkowski memo certainly laid out a roadmap for companies to utilize to avoid having a monitor. Um, I read that memo a little bit broader uh, than simply that. There was other information, but when you put it together with this 2019 guidance, we have, I think, a coherent set of doctrine around, number one, uh, what the Department of Justice expects in a compliance program, two, what what not only will happen to you, but perhaps, uh, as you said, What power do you have to impact what is going to happen to you if you find yourself in investigation? And then the final part from the Benkowski memo is the requirements on the prosecutors to justify utilizing a monitor. Uh, Within the context of those three points, uh, how do you see those two documents uh, as they fit together or perhaps in a different direction? Well, no, I I definitely agree with the direction that, that you're talking about and how they fit together. Um, it, it's very interesting because while the guidance and the Benskowski memo provide a roadmap on how to avoid a monitor, on the flip side, there's really no excuse anymore for a company to say, I really didn't know what DOJ was looking for, or I really had no idea what a good program looks like and how to make my program effective. Because this memo lays out what it is they're looking for. It lays it out in the Benskowski memo from the standpoint of company actions between the time of the offense and the time of the resolution. 
Um, and honestly, while I think the Benzkowski memo is going to drive decisions to not appoint the monitor because it's very specific on what a prosecutor has to prove, uh, vulnerabilities and problems with the compliance program in order to impose a monitor. On the flip side, I think it's going to be very hard for a company that doesn't follow this guidance to be able to say that there's any mitigating reason why and they shouldn't have a monitor. I think that DOJ is going to use the memo and the guidance as a hammer when they need to for companies that either have no program or no effective program or one that DOJ defines as a paper program. So there is a an opportunity for companies, but there's also a very perilous path if companies don't take that opportunity and that roadmap and follow it. Eric, that would seem like a great point for us to end on. This has been just a, a fantastic podcast series. I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me on this. I look forward to seeing what we come up with next time. My pleasure, Tom. Thanks. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you've enjoyed this special five-part series sponsored by Affiliated Monitors, focusing on the new 2019 DOJ guidance around corporate compliance programs. For more information on Affiliated Monitors, check out their website, www.affiliatedmonitors.com. If you've listened to this podcast you'd like more information, check out the FCPA Compliance Report where I have a written, detailed piece on each episode if you've listened to this on iTunes and want more information. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.